VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. A little different topic and issue today. Uh, We hear a lot about poverty in America. I mean, a lack of access to food, to, to shelter, to medical care, and other necessities of life. And there appears to be, for many, more month left at the end of the money. Well, even with all kinds of programs in the U.S., there are still many who are left economically poor. But ladies and gentlemen, compared to the world, even the poorest among us have much more than many individuals have around the world. I mean, we see evidence of that in part by how many people are seeking entrance into the United States through our borders, whether it's legal or not. Well, as we look at poverty around the world, some individuals are sometimes forced into some very desperate situations to help provide for the basic needs of life. And for some, prostitution appears to be the only way out. And with that comes exploitation and sex trafficking. Well, such is the situation in many areas around the world. And while the situation may seem overwhelming, there is somebody engaged in a ministry that's engaged to break that cycle. Joining us today, we welcome Alex Kulo, who is founder and executive director for Threads of Hope Incorporated. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Glad to be here. Yes, you and I recently crossed paths at a a conference that was being held in Wisconsin Dells, uh, the Christian Home Educators of Wisconsin. And uh, Alex, I learned about your ministry some, and and, uh, we're going to share that with our listeners today. as as you were growing up, Alex, missions was not really part of your vocational plan. I mean, becoming a missionary was not your vocational goal at all. You actually had greater interest in making life comfortable for yourself than serving the Lord. So tell us your story. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is absolutely true. Um, you know, I grew up in uh, Nina, Wisconsin, uh, kind of the world headquarters for Kimberly Clark, and it's an affluent area, um, and. Uh, Life was very comfortable. Uh, wonderful Christian family I grew up in. Um, went to a wonderful Bible teaching church. Uh, it was very missions minded, and uh, you know, so so we were exposed to missions frequently. But I knew in my heart that that was not something I wanted to do. My my roots were deep here, and uh, this is where I wanted to be. I know. Several years ago, I think it was Scott Wesley Brown that had a song, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Hmm. And it was basically, you know, he's saying, don't send me. I'm comfortable in my life here and now. I'll tithe 10%. I'll tithe 11%. I'll I'll fill the communion cups. I'll do whatever it takes. Just let me live my comfortable life here. And and that was basically me and my wife. Uh, You know, we, we, we were just connected to our church here, our family here, and this is, and here is where we wanted to stay. Yeah, I mean, and you even went through a time in which you actually then surrendered your, yourself to Christ, but even in doing so, the mission field was not necessarily on your radar, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, I was uh, a machinist, and, um, you know, one day as I was, uh, you know, machining, <laughs> I had a long cut going, so I had some time and I was reading in the word and I came across the story of the rich young ruler. And at that time I was probably working close to 70 hours a week, 10 hours a day. Um, And my focus was, I want to retire early and live a comfortable life. And as I was reading that passage, you know, Jesus kind of hit him right where he lived. and, And he said, um, Okay, go sell everything you've got, give it to the poor, come follow me. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, you know. If if the Lord had said that to me personally, what would my my mm. response have been? And uh, yeah, because you had lots of excuses. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I figured, well, you know, I, I wasn't a Bible translator, I wasn't a pilot, I wasn't a church planter, I was a blue collar machinist. And uh, I really uh, didn't have 
I didn't think I had anything to offer to the mission field. Mm-hmm. So, so how did missions go from won't to the front burner of your life? <laughs> well, um, you know, like I said, one of my early focuses was getting out of debt. Um, we had a house payment. Uh, I remember making the very first house payment. Uh, it was way back in 85. It was $400. And when I made the payment, I saw that $390 went towards interest and $10 went towards principal. <laughs> wow. And I just thought, that's ridiculous. And so I just got on this mission to pay off the house. And by God's grace, uh, within five years, uh, we had that thing paid off. And hmm. uh, I was, I thought, on my way to uh, financial independence. But that very same week that we paid off the house, we had a missionary at our church. And he happened to be a journeyman plumber. And uh, he was sharing with the youth group. My wife and I were youth group leaders at our church. And uh, he was just sharing how, you know, whatever skills and abilities you happen to have, the Lord can use them on the mission field. Hmm. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Well, at the end of his talk, I asked him, um, I said, what was your biggest obstacle to getting onto the field? And without hesitation, he said financial debt. And like I said, that was the very week we had become financially uh, debt-free. Mm-hmm. We had no debt at all. There goes <laughs> that excuse. kind of looked at each other and locked eyes and had this <laughs> uh-oh expression on our face. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how it started. Um, you know, there's other things that were involved with it. I know at another time, uh, we had missionaries uh, who were sharing their needs on the field at our church on a Wednesday night, and uh, they said, they asked if uh, um, we could just pray for um, dorm parents, because they were missionaries out in the middle of the jungle, and they had to send their kids to a boarding school, and they didn't have dorm parents uh, that could take care of them. So that was one of their big prayer requests. And, and it was my wife who prayed for that prayer request from the perspective of, of a mother who couldn't imagine giving up her children to serve the Lord uh, out in the middle of the jungle. So, um, you know, and ultimately that's what the, the Lord ended up uh, using us for. We, we went to the mission field to be dorm parents at Faith Academy in the Philippines. It's amazing. Now, you've got a, a rather amazing testimony, too, on how God provided you the money for getting to the mission field, and it involved a hailstorm. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we were approaching the time to leave, uh, we learned that we had to go through this uh, pre-field orientation. And, of course, there was costs for for getting shots for the family and um, airline tickets and all that stuff. And um, we were just kind of, you know what, uh, the Lord's the one to, uh, to provide. And we're just, <laughs> just kind of sweating it out. And all of a sudden, this hailstorm comes through our neighborhood and demolishes our roof. And, um, you know, we thought, oh, great. There's another expense, you know, we got a deductible and all this stuff. And, uh, well, all around our neighborhood, insurance companies were sending roofing companies to, to fix the damage on our neighbor's house. Our insurance company came and figured out how much it would cost to have the roof replaced and just wrote out a check in my name and handed it to me and said, Go get the work done. Wow. Well, my <laughs> my uh, cousins owned a roofing company, and there were people at our church that heard about, heard about our situation. So um, they gave us uh, the shingles at cost, and people from our church came over, and they had a new roof put on in one day. And um, at the end of all of our expenses, we had enough money to pay for our pre-field orientation. <laughs> our plane tickets, and our shots. Wow, wow. Well, I, I should take that back. The shots, uh, a Christian 
where I worked as a machinist in the shop, he handed me a check or it was around $500. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, he said, I just sensed the Lord laying this on my heart Mm -hmm. to give to you for for whatever you need. And uh, that, that day I came home from, from work and my wife was a little discouraged. She said, it's going to cost us $500 to have our shots you know, for the family to go to the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, well, I guess that's what this check is for. <laughs> wow. wow. So it, it's, it's just been neat to see how the Lord provides for your needs before you sometimes even know you have them. Including using a hailstorm to provide the money for you to have transportation <laughs> over there. So you went to the Philippines and you became dorm parents, correct? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we we went to, um, oh, what's that uh, missions conference that happens every three years? <laughs> you know, it's a big missions conference that we went to. And um, we were there kind of, you know, it was geared more for high or for college students, um, trying to figure out where the Lord wants to use them in ministry. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my wife and I were, um, I think I was right around 30 in my early thirties. And, um, so we were going there and, uh, it was, uh, we just kind of felt like we kept running into roadblocks and we weren't getting anywhere. And then on the very last day, um, a young man asked us, well, how are you serving in your local church? And, uh, you know, we were youth group leaders and we were doing a parenting class and um, stuff like that. He says, seems like uh, a lot of what you do revolves around high school kids. I say, yeah, it really does. And uh, that's when he brought up dorm parents. (laughs) If you remember before, my wife was the one who prayed for dorm parents, and that was a few years earlier. Hmm. But uh, that felt like, wow. that's something that we could do. You know, I don't have the skills to be a Bible translator. I'm not a pilot or not a church planter, but if I can keep those people who have those skills out there doing the work by helping to care for their children and prepare them for colleges and universities here in the U S then that was something we could do. So that's what uh, we ended up pursuing. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. We're speaking with Alex Kulo, who is founder and executive director for Threads of Hope. And I really believe this foundation uh, into Alex's life is important to help understand where the Lord is going to take them next. And uh, it, it started out certainly with, uh, you know, the, 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 the guard was up. I'm not going to Africa. I'm not going to be a missionary. Missions was not on the radar. But how God used different circumstances in their life to take them uh, to the Philippines. And when they got there, friends, it's going to be amazing to see a ministry that God has opened up for them that is impacting many, many families in that nation right now. We'll uh, take a quick break. We'll come back with more of the story here in just a moment. This is Crosstalk coming your way from the VCY America Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, in total, how many animal species have been found in the fossil record? You know, Chris, the answer to this question surprised me. Evolutionists are fond of talking about millions and millions of fossil animal types, but in reality, only about 250,000 fossil species have ever been found. That's far fewer than the number of species that are still existing today. And it certainly is not many compared to the millions and billions of animals which must have existed if evolution were true. What we find in the fossil record are clams and snails and coral, the very same kind of animals that are alive today. Face it, Chris, evolution didn't happen. It's not happening today, and it didn't happen in the past, as recorded in the fossils. What happened is creation, just like it says back in Genesis. Thanks, Dr. Morris. For more info on Genesis, visit us on the web at www.icr.org.
I don't have Bible translation skills. I'm not a pilot. I'm just a machinist. What can I do? Well, we're seeing how the Lord worked in the life of uh, Alex Kulo along with his wife and how God led them in a in a uh, powerful way to make an impact on the lives of many. And, and I really wanted you to hear that foundation uh, regarding their life and ministry as they were just common, ordinary people. Well, serving uh, uh, as uh, dorm parents, I'm sure that was uh, quite a, a kind of a new experience. You had your own children, but, but yet now you're responsible for more children. How many years did you serve as dorm parents? Uh, we served as 10 years as dorm parents. Okay. Now, and Threads of, Threads of Hope started uh, six years into that. Six years into it, okay. So you're serving as dorm parents, but one of the things about the Philippines, with the bodies of water around, they've got some beautiful tropical beaches. And and uh, so take us to the beach and about an encounter there on the beach. Okay. Um, well, uh, a lot of your listeners might not know that Manila, which is where Faith Academy is uh, located, is a city of about 15 million people, which is two to three times the population of New York. So it's very crowded, it's polluted, it's noisy. So when the school went on break, we took every top opportunity to, to head to some of the most uh, beautiful tropical beaches you'll encounter, the kind you see on postcards. So our, our very first year there, uh, we were invited by some missionary friends to go to the beach with them. So uh, we didn't know anything yet, so we were more than happy to go with them. And when we got there, um, just just like we thought, you know, just beautiful water, beautiful beaches. And uh, one thing we weren't really expecting is to see a bunch of kids out on the beach selling friendship bracelets or, or various things their family made to help provide for their ba- their family's basic needs. Um and one of the girls um, that we ran into just seemed to be different than all the other beach vendors. Uh, most of them were very pushy, very aggressive, and really just kind of annoying and trying to get you to buy something. And uh, this, this gal, you know, she would ask us if we wanted something, and if we said no, she said, okay, thank you, and Moved, politely moved on, and we thought, wow, that was really refreshing. <laughs> and so we, whenever we wanted to buy something, we, we would buy from her. And um, over the years, we kind of kept going back to this place, and we would renew our friendship with her each year. And, um, you know, she was usually with a good friend of hers. You know, they kind of went together. And uh, one year, all of a sudden, her friend was gone. And uh, I said, well, where's your friend? And she didn't really want to talk about it. And I just kind of kept prodding and pushing. Um, And it turned out that, from what I understand, um, this this is kind of what happens. It happens in various different ways, but this is what I understand to have happened. Um, A foreigner comes in, proposes marriage to this gal, and the family is elated because they think they're going to be taken care of for the rest of their life. Well, they go off on their honeymoon, never to be seen again. Hmm. And uh, that's kind of what happened with this gal. And uh, we have not seen her since. Don't know if she was trafficked to another island, to another country. Another thing foreigners will do is they'll, um, they'll give money to families pretending like they're helping them out and they keep giving. You say, oh, you can pay me back later, pay me back later. And uh, before you know it, they're so in debt that there's no possible way they could possibly pay it back. They said, well, we'll take one of your kids. And they they feel like they've got no no leverage to keep them from doing that. Hmm. Um, So, you know, that and sometimes just, People on the beaches, you know, they, they proposition them. Say, well, I don't want a bracelet, but, you know, if you come into my uh, resort with me, I, there's another way you can earn money from me, you know. and uh, Prostitution. Prostitution, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these 
our children, the, the girl that we knew best, she had to drop out of school at grade after grade three to be out on the beaches selling to help provide for the family because mm-hmm. a cute little third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grader is a lot better salesman than the parents are. Mm-hmm. But it also put them in harm's way. Well, when she told me what happened, um, it just really opened our eyes to the conditions that they were living in. You know, we were there to be on vacation, really paying attention to the poverty and uh, the difficulties that these families uh, dealt with on a daily basis. So when my eyes were opened, I just realized I've got an extra 5,000 pesos. It's about a hundred dollars. And, uh, I gave it to the girl and I said, tell you what, I want you to make me a hundred dollars worth of bracelets. And she said, well, I don't have that many. And I said, it's okay. Next time we come, you can give them to us. I wasn't sure if I would see her, the bracelets or the money again, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't too worried about it. And, Next time I stepped foot on that beach, she gave me a thousand two hundred bracelets, My. and I thought this is this is way too much. And uh, she said this was a good income for my family for an entire month, a hundred dollars. She said we didn't have to walk up and down the beaches being propositioned. We could stay at home. We could care for our family, or for our siblings, and uh, so she. She convinced me that it was fair. Um, so I, I took these 1,200 uh, bracelets made out of cotton embroidery thread, beautiful, colorful, different patterns of designs. And we brought them to the U.S. with us that summer. And uh, we were giving them to our supporters, and people just loved them. And um, they said, you ought to sell them, see what happens. So we took them to a Bible camp in northern Wisconsin, and they said, well, let's put them in the store. We'll see what happens. And in three days, they sold 500 of them at a buck apiece. And in the next couple of weeks, they sold the remainder. And they handed me $1,000 from the bracelets hmm. and said, go take care of that family. That was 10 and times it, ten times the, the, the amount. That was 10 times the amount. A $100 mm-hmm. investment turned into $1,000. And so uh, initially I was thinking, I'll just go back. I'm going to give the family this money and, you know, pat myself on the back. I did my, my good deed and helped them out. And, but the more I prayed about it and the more I thought about it, the more I realized they just need an opportunity for consistent work. And so I just prayed. I said, Lord, I'll be faithful with the money. I'm going to trust you with the results. So I went back. And I gave her the thousand dollars, and I said, "I want you to make me a thousand dollars worth of bracelets." Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she had to get her friends and siblings to help her make make them. And in a couple of months, she presented me with twelve thousand bracelets. Mm-hmm. That's if you think about like a forty-eight quart uh, plastic bin, um, you know that would be heaping full uh, ten thousand bracelets. On said, "Okay, well that summer we." We came home again to Wisconsin and kind of shared the story at our church, and we we had some up at the camp again. And we were only here for like six weeks, but uh, we decided to set up a booth on the Fourth of July in our local park, see what happened. And, and that one day, we sold over two thousand dollars worth of bracelets, and, mm. and the camp sold about two thousand dollars worth of bracelets. And uh, so I went back to the Philippines with four thousand dollars. I left 8,000 of the bracelets here at our church. And uh, I decided, well, I'm going to buy $1,000 worth of bracelets each month until the money runs out. Mm -hmm. So I gave her $1,000 and said, make me $1,000 worth of bracelets. And a month later, she gives me 12,000 bracelets. And then all of a sudden, I'm expecting there to be $3,000 in my bracelet account, but there's $4,000. I said, well, where did that extra $1,000 come from? And it turns out the people at our church, kids were taking them to school, selling them to their friends. Hmm. Adults were taking them to work, selling them to their coworkers. 
So every time I spent the $1,000, another $1,000 went into my account. So I'm sitting in the Philippines where I got 12,000 bracelets and then 24,000 and 36,000 and 48,000, 60,000, 72,000, 84,000, 96,000. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I confess that my faith started to waver because this was a mountain of bracelets. And I had no idea what I would do with them. And I was just reminded of the verse that says, if you have faith as small as mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be done for you. And I just said, Lord, that is a mountain of bracelets. Would you move them for me? Well, that very week, the um, personnel director at Faith Academy heard about what I was doing. And he said, hey, I've got some college, a college basketball team coming in for a ministry trip from Kansas, 15, 20 guys. Uh, would you share with them in devotions, kind of tell them what you're doing? So, yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, after the devotion, uh, they said, oh, can we take 5,000 of them back to our university? We'll sell them and send you the money. <laughs> I said, here you go. Next week, he said, hey, we've got a team coming from Australia. Would you share with them? So I did it again. Same result. They took bracelets back to Australia. The next week, there was a team from Korea coming. Shared with them. They took bracelets back to Korea. So all of a sudden, these bracelets are going all over the world. And then another friend says, hey, I can throw a website together for you. And another friend says, hey, I can throw a video together for hmm. you. So um, it just... And you, you actually started a ministry then, a nonprofit organization called Threads of Hope. That's correct. Uh, it, it just kept growing. Like I said, the $100 turned into $1,000. The $1,000 turned into $10,000. The $10,000 turned into $100,000. And that was when we realized this has become our full-time ministry. Hmm. Um, just because of the sheer volume and <laughs> effort that was going into it. So the number of people uh, that you're actually helping families really began to grow. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, throughout this process, the families could see that really 100% of the money we were getting was just going back into buying more product. We weren't keeping anything for ourselves. Uh, we didn't profit from the sale of bracelets, mm-hmm. and they were always so thankful. And we always tried to point it back to the Lord as their provider. Now, since we were on staff at Faith Academy, our job was to prepare kids to to go to universities in the U.S. So we never got the opportunity to learn their language, but they spoke English fairly well. Um, but we wanted to make sure that they were hearing the gospel in their heart language. So we partnered with a Filipino pastor, and I took him there, and I introduced him, and I said, he's going to tell you what's on my heart in your heart language. I'll tell you what, we're going uh, to break right here, folks, because this is more of the story that, that you need to hear that we're going to unfold here in all part of the Threads of Hope ministry. Uh, more information right after the break. Stay with us. Alex Kulo is our guest. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. It happens to many. You go through life on cruise control until the phone rings indicating a tragedy has occurred. Maybe you visit the doctor and receive devastating news. Or perhaps a spouse or family member is suddenly taken. You feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you and your life forever changed. What do we do when our normal is gone? In the book, A New Normal, Dr. Les Olala guides the reader through four biblical steps when your normal is suddenly taken away. You'll learn that God doesn't intend to harm you with these events and circumstances, but rather His plan is to perfect you and to strengthen your faith. One copy of A New Normal is available for a donation of $10, three copies for $24, or five copies for a donation of $35. Call 1-800-729-9829. 
ministry called Threads of Hope, uh, designed to uh, initially started to keep families from engaging in uh, the sex trafficking, prostitution, providing for their needs. And uh, we'll see how, indeed, this was multiplied from that $100 a gift, so to speak, for the bracelets to the 1,000. It kept expanding, expanding, expanding. Uh, groups coming then to the Philippines and taking back these bracelets to, to their country as well. And and uh, so while you're ministering in the Philippines then as well, the, the desire to reach people, not just with finances, but you're concerned about their spiritual needs as well. Absolutely. Someone once said, if the only thing we were doing was buying bracelets from them without sharing the gospel, all we're really accomplishing is making their lives a little more comfortable on the way to hell. Hmm. And that just kind of hit me. And uh, said, yeah, you're right. You know, if if the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't included, um, you know, what are we what are we accomplishing? So when this pastor went, um, you know, he shared the gospel with them in their heart language and. He was so encouraged by the receptiveness and the questions that they were asking um, because they'd seen the Lord providing for them uh, through this ministry and that they wanted to know more. And uh, so he decided, you know, I'm going to come back a few times on my own. And uh, several of them had given their lives to the Lord and were baptized in the South China Sea and, um, you know, and then he came to me and he said, I, I feel like the Lord's calling me to, to move my family here and uh, shepherd the new believers and plant a church. So we partnered with him in that effort. And, uh, you know, the, the church continued to grow and threads of hope grew to the point where we were buying $25,000 worth of bracelets every month my. from about 250 families. So our our objective was to introduce about a hundred dollars into each family, um, knowing that that kind of takes the target off their back, the desperation out of their lives. Um, they got enough money for food, and uh, so we tried to spread it out as far and wide as we could to help as many families as we could. So uh, what started with that simple purchase on the beach is multiplied to reaching hundreds of families, the planting of a church as well? That's correct. Hmm. Uh, we built a ministry center. Um, you know, at one point, uh, the the church came to us and said, could we use some of the profits to build a church? Well, initially, it was just a, a shelter because the Philippines is very hot and there's rainy season, so... Uh, actually, there was a, a man at our church who wanted to pay for a basic shelter for the church. Um, so he gifted that money, and, and we built a, a shelter that would accommodate, uh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 people. Uh, you packed them in there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think within six months, they outgrew it. <laughs> and they came to me and said, Well, you think we could use profits to build a permanent? Uh, ministry center. I said, well, you know, our objective right now is to to help families, you know, to prevent this child prostitution and the sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. So here's what I'll do. I'll continue ordering from everyone we're ordering from right now, but whatever comes in above and beyond that, we will use to build a ministry center. And within a year, uh, we had over $100,000, so we were able to purchase land and build uh, a good-sized ministry center. The lower level is where the church gathered for worship, and we had an upper level. That was a full-sized covered basketball court. Uh, If you know anything about the Philippines, Mm -hmm. basketball is their favorite sport. So it would uh, incentivize people in the community to come there and and play and play. would give us more opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah, a gospel outreach by by way of basketball then. Yeah. Wow. So bring us up to 2023. What what is happening with Threads of Hope right now? Well, the pandemic uh, really wreaked havoc. Um, I should also say we were able to start a high school. Uh, It's grade 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, because a lot of these kids 
were dropping out after elementary school because the parents couldn't afford to send them into town uh, for high school. So mm-hmm. we, we started a Christian high school in the village, and uh, that's all funded through Threads of Hope sales. And we continue to do that, but uh, when the pandemic hit, the Philippines had some of the strictest lockdown measures in the world. So these families were forced to live, stay in their shacks, really, and they don't have margins in their budgets to be able to go days without uh, earning a living. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give me this day, my daily bread. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't answer that, you're going to go hungry. That's what life is like for them. You know, we go to the refrigerator or the pantry and we thank the Lord for what he's already provided. Not so with them. So uh, we continued to order bracelets, even though we had a sizable inventory. Our inventory had mushroomed. I think uh, I told you earlier, we have a retail value of between 8 and $9 million worth of bracelets hmm. uh, in stock here. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, the pandemic comes and uh, we... The, the, the people or the families didn't have anything to do, so we continued to buy bracelets for as long as we could, but most of our sales come from people selling the bracelets as a fundraiser. Hmm. They get the product from us. We provide it at no cost, uh, except for shipping and handling to get the product to them. They sell whatever they can at the same price as we sell it for. They get to keep half of the proceeds and whatever they don't sell, they they return to us. Mm-hmm. And that was probably 80 to 85% of our sales. Well, when the pandemic hit, um, every opportunity for sales just disappeared. Most of them were people raising money to go on mission trips. They'd mm-hmm. get 2,000 bracelets from us, sell what they could, and they were raising money to go on. Well, everything was canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as a result we eventually ran out of money and the, well, actually what had happened is uh, because of the lockdowns in the Philippines, thread was not considered an essential. So it was not being transported from Island to Island. So eventually our bracelet makers ran out of thread. So we could no longer buy bracelets from them. So we just started sending money to the church so that, uh, they could provide for their basic food needs, um, buying sacks of rice and eggs and things like that. So, Alex, tell, tell us what a love project is. A love project is similar to a fundraiser. A fundraiser is somebody who wants to raise money to, to go on a mission trip or whatever, but a love project is somebody who just says, hey, I want to get involved with this. I want to be a blessing to these families. I want to get product from Threads of Hope sell it and just send back all the money. Mm-hmm. 100% um, to go yeah, back. Send back a hundred percent. Yeah. So it's just something, you know, and, and a number of people have done that where they just say, you know, wow, this is something I can do right here, right now, get involved, be a part of the solution and, uh, and give the maximum amount back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what's, so that, ha- that's what's helping the families the most. Well, the fundraisers are, uh, okay. you know, that, that by far is the most, but certainly uh, love projects is what will help the families the most because right. the, the most amount of money comes back to Threads of Hope. I'd say love projects are maybe 10% of our sales. Hmm. Fundraisers are probably 80% of our sales and then doing events, um, local events like the 4th of July or Christian music festivals, things hmm. like that, or the homeschooling event that you saw us at, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of events is maybe 10 to 15% of our sales. And how, how can our listeners get more information about your ministry? Well, they can go to our website, that's threadsofhope.com, um, and uh, hopefully it's easy to navigate if you're interested. You can either buy retail, you can buy wholesale. If you've got a, a place of business uh, where you want to sell them, you can buy wholesale from us. 
or you can do the fundraiser, you can do a love project, and we also have ministry bracelets, um, which we call them gospel bracelets. I don't know if you're familiar with the wordless yep. book mm-hmm. with the colors, mm-hmm. but we had bracelets fashioned after that, and we make those available to ministries who use them for evangelism purposes mm-hmm. for just, uh, right now they're 30 cents a piece. So if somebody said, we've, we've had people order 10,000 yeah, bracelets yeah. from us at a time uh, for for ministry use, and you know we don't feel like we need to make a profit off of uh, mm-hmm. the sale of helping churches evangelize their community. Right. So uh, that's, that's something that we just provided as low as cost as we can. And friends, maybe, I mean, we're talking here regarding this ministry here today, and the Love Project gets all the proceeds right back into the ministry of helping these families. And uh, their website is threadsofhope.com, threadsofhope.com. I'd like to open our phone lines, and perhaps you've got a question uh, that you'd like to ask of our guest here today or a comment. Uh, it started out just uh, being at the beach with a, a young gal coming up and, and selling, you know, selling the bracelets and and how so many families' lives have been transformed, and the birth of a local church, and the the establishment of a a Christian high school as a result. Our phone number here to Crosstalk is 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. And I understand, uh, Alex, that uh, people can, can order right from your website, and whether they do it as a, as a ministry fundraiser in order to uh, earn money for missions to get others on the mission field or, or some project or, or, again, the Love Project and getting uh, you know proceeds right back into helping people in the Philippines, that, that is really your heart's desire is to, to help people, see them uh, grow in their walk with the Lord and, and win them to Christ, and also to keep people out of going, uh, getting engaged in sex trafficking and prostitution, etc. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's the goal. And, you know, I always, I always like to say when I share this story that uh, this was nothing we ever planned or strategized. Mm-hmm. It was a moment of compassion for a friend. And I, I like to say, you know what? I was the little boy in the multitude who happened to have a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. Yeah. And the Lord just took it and multiplied it over and over. And uh, really all the glory belongs to the Lord in, in what has been accomplished through uh, threads of hope. So, again, friends, the website is threadsofhope.com. That's threadsofhope.com. Uh, our phone number here to Crosstalk. And uh, if you have a question you'd like to ask of Alex uh, Kulo, our guest here today, who's founder and executive director of Threads of Hope, our number here, 800 733 9829. Perhaps you're just inspired by the story and how God worked in uh, Alex's life and in that of his wife, Chris, and, and how God used them in this way to make a difference in countless lives. And you think even about these wordless book bracelets that are going out there and how many times. Times of the gospel been preached as a result of Threads of Hope. Uh, very fascinating story. We're up against a break. We'll take you some calls here afterwards. Our number is 800 733 9829. Back with more crosstalk right after the break here on the VCY American Network. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Now the American border has virtually collapsed. We have now over the weekend reports of at least five individuals tied to the FBI terrorist list that were obtained at the Mexico-Arizona border. But one government official admits well over a half a million have gotten through. We know that number is really low. Now, with the collapsing of the U.S. border, Terrorists being captured and all the terrorists have gotten away and now a bombing device found on the border. Do you think terrorist attacks are coming? And how would terrorist attacks be used to scare the American people into giving up more of their liberty and freedom? Biometrics. Australia is now testing it. Now a bill was introduced in Congress to digitize every American. Watch how the crisis of our crumbling border and terrorism and the threat of it will be used to digitize everyone under the guise of safety.
Alex Kulo is our guest here today from Threads of Hope, their website, threadsofhope.com. And uh, friends, a very remarkable story here. And uh, not only as uh, we were just talking during the break, Alex, not just a single church, we we understand that there's a second church that is being uh, started as a result of this as well. Yeah, there was a, a young man that just showed a lot of initiative in the original church plant, and he lived up the mountain. And, uh, you know, he he actually, uh, we helped him buy a sewing machine so he could help sew dog collars and camera straps and things like that. And he immediately started a Bible study with the military personnel who were up the mountain and other families. And so we sent him to, to seminary uh, to to get some good education, and now he is probably got uh, 30, 40 people um, attending his service up the mountain, and we're hoping to be able to help him uh, buy some property and, and build uh, in the near future as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go to uh, Terry in from Whitewater. Hi, Terry. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, you, you said that COVID... Uh, kind of put a halt to everything, and then you never explained, uh, did things pick up again, or or are they not making bracelets anymore? They can't get the material. Yeah, well, we can get the material there now. However, we have such a large volume of inventory here in the U.S., and the cost of shipping the product right now is uh, very expensive, so it makes it very difficult we are sending enough money to keep the school operational and uh, the ministry going, uh, paying the teachers and, and uh, those expenses. But right now, uh, while we're waiting um, for the fundraisers and love projects to pick up again so that we can start moving more product, we're setting money aside to be able to buy property up the mountain where, where the other church plant is happening so right now, uh, the the amount of bracelets we're buying is quite limited. It's limited, but, but and that's because your stock is so high right now that it had kind of shut down during COVID. So they've got abundant supply right now, Terry. Yeah. So yeah. So the, the, other, the other question. Yeah. The other question I have is, uh, whenever I call my phone company, uh, they always are in the Philippines. And I, I always get in a Christian conversation and I say, is there a lot of Christian people in the Philippines? And they said, oh, yeah, we're very Christian-oriented country. And are the, is this, the people you're helping, are they just in a small area of the Philippines or are you kind of spreading throughout the Philippines? Right. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, we're in a small area. And uh, it, it would be identified as a very Christian country, but uh, you need to understand that about 85% of that population is very Catholic, um, and, and evangelical is maybe 5 to 10%. So um, there's, there's a significant difference. Uh, it's, it's very much a works-based uh, salvation righteousness as opposed to a faith-based uh, Interesting. salvation Thank you and righteousness. That, talk about when I speak to these people. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Terry. That they say Christian, but they probably referring Catholic to Christian, mm-hmm. which is not, you know, correct. Right, most likely. Thank you, Terry. There's a lot, there's a lot of call centers in the Philippines. Yeah. Thank you, Terry, uh, for your call here today. Uh, our number, 800-733-9829. Uh, Alex, I'd like you to uh, just speak to the people on this issue. Uh, sometimes people think that God could never use me. And that's, that's how you felt. You were a machinist. You were the son of a plumber. What, what words do you have to say to those who just don't feel qualified, uh, just don't have the, the right skills to, to get engaged with missions? Well, I'd probably go back to what the missionary said to us. Um, who was, he was a journeyman plumber and, uh, you know, just stating that whatever skills and abilities, experience, that you have undoubtedly can be used on the mission field. I mean, there's, there's such a wide spectrum of things, you know, from administrative to, you know, finances and um, logistics. Uh, it, it takes a lot of people 
to have one family out in the middle of the jungle ministering to a, a tribe. So uh, don't don't allow uh, the enemy to uh, get you to believe that uh, you have nothing to offer. Uh, um, what is it uh, that they usually say that um, God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. that effect, um, you know, if, if you sense that the Lord is maybe pushing you, nudging you in the direction of missions, uh, I would encourage you to pursue it. Uh, get together with the, the your missions board at your church and talk about it. And but. Also, you need to be involved in missions right here. You don't need to have an exotic um, address to be a missionary. Uh, you, you should be a missionary to your neighbors and to your coworkers, to your friends. Uh, every opportunity you get, uh, you can be a missionary. So it, it doesn't require uh, an exotic address to, sure. to do that. We, we have just a minute left, Alex. What kind of impact has this made on, on you and your wife? Well, you know, <laughs> um, our, you know, we often wonder what our life would look like if I stayed a machinist. Um, uh, we've just seen God's faithfulness, um, you know, in His providing from the very beginning, from a hailstorm to over twenty years, uh, just faithfully providing for us and. Um, I, th- I think one blessing of being a missionary that has to raise your own support to be on the field is you have an army of people who are praying for you. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the average person doesn't have that. You know, they go to work and they earn a living. It's always through the Lord. The Lord mm-hmm. allows you to to earn that living. But with missions, you just realize so much more how much the Lord is the one hmm. to provide for you in every circumstance, and uh, it, it just grows your faith and your trust in Him. We are out of time, Alex. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and, and the, the story of Threads of Hope. Well, thank you. All glory to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Alex Kulo, our guest, and friends, maybe you'd consider even doing a love project or coming alongside and and, uh, helping in the the work of the ministry in that regard. Check out more information, threadsofhope.com. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.